I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ, freshly graduated Matt Green. I got already had the ring, but now it's official, done deal, the Masters is done, I am officially a Tennessee alumni, VFL, everything school HQ, <laughs> we are uh, feeling good. It was great to be in the building to wrap up with all my fellow volunteers. Um, graduated with Jacob Warren, starting tight end for Tennessee. I told him uh, no joke when we were we were talking after uh, the event. I was like, and we got put up side by side, <laughs> walking out of the the arena of Thompson Bowling, and I was like, we can't stand next to each other. You make me look like I'm five two. Like this is not gonna work. Cause he's mm. gigantic and he he's, he's a nice dude. And I was like, we cannot be standing next to each other as we're walking around TBA right now. Uh, this is uh, the size discrepancy is not good for me. Uh, I can't, can't handle it. Like I'm almost six feet. I'm a five eleven guy, but stand next to a six, seven tight end. Um, it's just a little bit different, but shout out to Jacob Warren on a job well done as well. But, um, either way, a, a fantastic day all around, fantastic weekend. Family came in. It was, uh, it was fun. Got to do the whole walking, got hooded. Um, it was quite cold, but it was, uh, good weather. And, uh, you know, there you go. Nico arrives. I graduate. It was my time to pass the baton of keeping the everything school, uh, movement in order it is now uh, in the hands of Nico Ia Maliava and company and the next generation of everything school stars. Uh, Matt Green, how are you? I'm doing excellent, sir. Uh, well, congratulations on a job well done. Uh, graduating from that everything school up there. I think that's three or four. We're up to <laughs> on the pod now. Yeah. Um, People should just yeah. take shots at the beginning of these shows. Like, just get it ready because <laughs> you're going to be taking shots immediately. There you go. So, um, yeah, so congrats on that. But um, had something on my mind today, mm. sir. Uh, this was an excellent Sunday, just action-packed Sunday of sports we had. Hard today. disagree. I just um, as my Falcon shirt, my hoodie is on. Like that was uh, horrific. Uh, I didn't even I notice we're both in the army kind of colors right yeah. now. I'm kind of in that army green. You got that army camo Falcons uh, working. But um, for those of us that aren't Falcons fans, that honestly mm -hmm. didn't even see. The NFL red zone guy that I am mm -hmm. probably saw like 30 seconds, a minute total of that Falcons game. It was just, uh, Falcons, the Falcons don't do anything to me. But in this great Sunday, I was wondering if you had an, like maybe an apology ready or a retraction ready here 
before your your blasphemous talk about the World Cup uh, w- before it all started, did you happen to catch the World Cup final with with Argentina and France? This this it's funny today? you ask because I went in because we did not get the uh, Falcons game locally here in Knox. So you know, when we don't get it here, I usually will go to a sports bar with my notepad and uh, and go take notes and go uh, watch it at a sports bar here. And I did that again today, and I um, I got there early because I never know how packed it's going to be. So got to make a find a seat and then have them turn it to the Falcons because no one really wants to request that. Um, most people are, are not like, hey, can you can you flip on uh, Desmond Ritter and company? We want to see what that's looking like on the Sunday afternoon. Uh, but for me, I get I get there a little bit early every time, and I was probably like 15, 20 minutes early, and the World Cup's on, and obviously. PKs and everything's going on, but I'm seeing before I just I saw leading up to it that uh, Argentina was up 2-0, and then I saw a Colts meme of Argentina's logo or the Colts logo inside Argentina's flag, and I was like, oh, oh. Then uh, France came all the way back, and um, yeah, I saw that the way they won and the PKs and all that. But Matt Green, this is going to be. I know where you're going with this. It was incredible. Man. It's blasphemous France... because hold on, let's be clear. You're going to try and throw me under the bus here. What was my take specifically? It was not a World Cup take. What was my actual take? I think your take was that United States fans are dumb for getting excited. What nope, was it? Not what my is take. It? What's your take? I'm very pro people can enjoy what they want to enjoy. What I am saying is me personally doesn't move the needle. I watch the US women. So when they're back next and they're just kicking ass mm. and they are going to run roughshod over the tournament, that's fun. It's worth investing. The men's team, you watch that Argentina-France, they're never coming close to that. They're never winning a World Cup. So I just don't look at it as worthy of my time. Like, I'm not investing does, emotionally in the U.S. What does Morocco have that the United States doesn't have? <laughs> Morocco didn't win. Morocco made the Final Four. Right, like, but they're still not winning. They were never going to win the World Cup. You're you're over here mm-hmm. as a fan of a team that hasn't really contended for a title in a long time, but you're still a diehard fan. It's like, it's like getting mad at... An Ohio Bobcats fan for for getting excited about making the NCAA tournament. Hold on, are you, you guys comparing the Tennessee win? Volunteers to Ohio? Is that what's happening here, or the Falcons, or where are we going? Who's the compa- Who's the comp here for the U.S. Well, men's t- national Tennessee, team? Tennessee, I mean, how they close has Tennessee been to a championship? And what I'm saying, years? they won a title. They were number one Ever, in the CFP yes, ranking they have. this year. But I'm saying there's been a lot of years where it's. They're not a contender. You can, you know, For going sure. in, they're not a contender. But, but it doesn't stop you from well, enjoying every step of the way. No, well, hold on. You can win a title here. You can't win a title at Ohio. Like, the U.S. men's national team is like, yeah, you can't win a title with this group. It can never happen. We would have to cancel a lot of our major sports the leagues. They're in the tournament. And anything can happen once you're in the tournament. You just watched the 90, 1980 Miracle on Ice. What was that? The U.S. men's national exactly. team. Exactly. That wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. Yeah. I just... I. Look, I there's the Villanova wasn't supposed to win the national championship in 80, 86, whatever that was. They're like the eight seed, oh but, God. but they did it. It's like stuff happens like that. Like, so I don't think the world cup's built like that. Has there ever been a team that's won? I mean, I'm not an expert on the world cup, so, um, I'm not an expert on the world cup, but they're, they're mainly the powerhouses, Brazil and, and, and Spain and, and, um, you know, France has won multiple ones recently. Um, obviously argentina now but yeah it's uh germany but it's yeah. just uh to 
to rain on someone's parade when they're just in the tournament. Like you can't. I'm not raining they on the parade. They got to the knockout stage too. Hold on. Like they got to the final sixteen. Hold it's like on. a solid sweet sixteen run. Like if if Purdue. Purdue's in the in the tournament as like a, a a six seed as a five seed. It seems like Purdue's a five seed every every single year in the uh-huh. NCAA tournament. If they make a run to the Sweet Sixteen, like should Purdue fans not be excited about being in the in the NCAA tournament? Wait, are we like, saying NCAA tournament? Are we saying basketball or football? You're talking basketball. NCAA They're the tournament. number one team in the country right now in basketball. Purdue? Yes. I didn't. I literally <laughs> have not watched any college basketball. <laughs> Terrible example, but <laughs> Purdue is like legit, like a five seed, like every year. Wisconsin yeah. or something, they're like a five seed every year. Those kind of those type of teams. But they but can win the title, absolutely. Pick, pick your team right now. I'm not paying attention. George to George Mason to can't basketball. win the title. Like a like a Arkansas. How good is Arkansas this year? They, I mean, when healthy, they're probably the best or second best SEC team. So they're a little <laughs> better. I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with an example, like a Florida maybe right now. I don't no, know, but maybe a, an SEC team that's mm-hmm. not ranked. That you're like, oh, they're not even a bubble team. They're clearly going to be in the tournament. Those level of teams that are like a five or a six seed in the it's tournament. Like Auburn right now. They're still going to be like excited for the NCAA tournament. Think their chance, do. their team can make it, uh, has a chance to make a run. It's just that's the nature of the beast. Like once you're in the tournament, like you have to be excited. Like hold on, not what I'm saying. I am saying, and look, I am not attacking you or anyone else for enjoying it, Matt Green. I never once said you're wasting your time. I want you to experience what you want to experience. If you, if you I feel like it was more negative than this. I feel like you were you were raining on the on the soccer United States soccer fans. No, I'm saying that it's weird to invest. Like, look for me, it it just was similar to being like a Ohio Bobcat fan that went undefeated in the MAC, and it's like in the 12 team playoff era, you like make the playoff, but it's like, well, no, you're not beating ohio state bama and tennessee or something in succession like you physically you literally don't have the players to do that so i think we compare college football to um the premier league and champions league all the time anyway it's the haves and the have nots like that's how it's always been um the ncaa tournament is a completely different thing Um, there's a lot of different teams that can win that but still there are the haves and the have nots like you can have a good run like st peter's can have a fun uh out of nowhere run but they still can't win the title they can't win every single game in the tournament and make it it hasn't happened and i think for the men's national team um we have to get a lot like we have to take soccer a lot more seriously on the men's side Uh, the women's side have just created this awesome empire and there is so much buy-in and it's so well coached and they've just developed this juggernaut that's like you're you're just looking at it from a united states perspective right it's like so Iran, who's like maybe like the thirtieth ranked team in the world or something, yeah. like they qualify for the World Cup too. Yeah, they they're one of those either. teams who's probably not going to win, but they're going to be amped to be there, and they're going to go nuts like Australia know, or me. something. Like you, your team's in the big dance. Well, like, also there was another part of this. Here. Hold on, there was another part of this where there was other things on. Like this World Cup in the fall cannot be a normal thing like the part of the re- i might have been more interested in the summer because there's not as much going on we just have baseball by and large yeah. we have so you have more time i didn't hate it though because it, it lined up with a lot it. of holidays too like i didn't i didn't hate that but you're not an nfl and nba guy really and you're not uh, diving into college basketball this early like you you, you got your college football matt green you're the cfb I'm a casual expert. nfl guy i'm a i'm a fantasy nba guy and hmm. i'm like a not college it's not college basketball season till till college football season's over in my book it's like Georgia i'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not paying I've attention to college basketball till january like mm-hmm. i can't 
can't do it. So, so How's you're, Mike you're, White going? You're right. Say what? So what How's Mike White going? Mike White era? I, I do know they beat Notre Dame today. So that was, yeah. a, that was a big win for the Bulldogs. But uh, Let me pull up Notre Dame. So I do know Pong. a little something. But no, I, uh, it's definitely still football season for me. But uh, Hold on, I don't I'm know. Six, and and you can have, like, obviously Dame. the women are better at their sport than the men. But Notre give, me the, give me the men's Pong. World Cup over the women's World Cup all day. It's just a better product. Like can't do it matt green you're not gonna sell me on this next year why why would i actually talk about it today we're like i cannot wait next summer to watch them just kick the crap out of everybody so do Uh, we know where the next women's world cup is because i would imagine it's not in qatar i'm gonna well this one should not have been in qatar (laughs) i Um, mean yeah like i just i would imagine the women wouldn't be down with that it is australia and new zealand okay so yeah you can uh you can have 2024 I'll wait till 2026 for the... Uh, Hold on, 2024. Are you skipping a year? It's 2023. Oh, is the women in 2023? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be good. Watch it next summer. Get the investment. Be like, wow, another... I'm sure, like, I'm sure I'll one watch inv- because yeah. the women are good. But yeah. that, the only reason I'm watching is because the women are the best team in the world. Yeah, it's but fun. I'm watching anybody play in the Men's World Cup because it was just... It was just good. It was good stuff. And working from home too. Got it on in, at 10 a.m. and 2 a.m. Uh, 2 p.m. a game every day. Like that was that was awesome for a while. Man, I watched exactly like 25 seconds. I, they made me watch it. I'm like, can we put on like pregame? Like, what are we doing here? I don't have any investment in this. Oh, like, can we put on? Uh, where's what's Terry Bradshaw? The beautiful think game, about Panther sir. Steelers. <clears throat> huh? Unbelievable. The beautiful just, game. I mean, look, I like soccer. What I'm saying is, the okay, we're dancing in circles here. I am not emotionally invested in that, and there's too much going on. World Cup in the fall doesn't work for me. Uh, doesn't Mac, work for you. Doesn't Killing work for Mbappe, me. Kylian Mbappe, hat trick in the World Cup final. Lionel Messi, I'll cementing his Mbappe. legacy. Uh, doesn't I'll, do anything for you. No, who cares? It's not on my radar. Don't. And I think a lot of people are... Uh, Never mind. I'm not going to go to that road of the fakers who are like, oh, what this means for Messi's legacy. And all this. I'm like, I don't remember you being much of a soccer guy before this. But no, uh, it's it like it doesn't mean. Are you grinding like, the FC Barcelona tape? No, you're in, you're out. I think Messi's just like one of the most like beloved players. Like he's one of those stars that like no one hates. Like, does anyone hate on Re- uh, Roger Federer? You know, like hmm. I feel like it's just kind of there's some of those people. They're just like, yeah, he's. He's like amazing. I you just respect him. Yeah. It's like that's where Messi is, and he didn't like need anything to like solidify being the best player of all time or, or one of them. But I mean, I just don't have a take on pretty, it. I'm just that's like pretty badass for your just overall legacy, like winning a World Cup. It's like it's like all the United States players that like go into the uh, basketball players that go into the Naismith Hall of Fame. Mm. And it's like, oh, he's a three-time gold medal winner. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure he is. He played for the United States. But like Manu Ginobili being a gold medal winner, it's like, okay, that one means something. That was actually like a big-time accomplishment. But Carmelo Anthony having three gold medals, it's like, cool. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Wow. Um, There you go. Matt Green, um, how do we lead in and transition from this attack to start things off graduation <laughs> weekend like feeling good and he's going after me uh for my world cup viewing habits uh matt green um well we have some a lot of cool news and i want to bounce around some stuff because it's not the off season but it is bowl season 
Um, we'll get into a couple thoughts on the bowl games that happened over the weekend. We got a couple, we got four to preview in our pod. So I broke them up into pods. So uh, when you look at the titles, you'll see uh, the breaking up, uh, broken up rather on the, the pod front. So we're in pod two now. Um, Matt has done a great Google sheet for us to organize this to make it all work and flow. Um, Cause I just, some pods do all of them at once. And I'm just like, I have no interest in doing like a two and a half hour, like mega bowl pod. That's just not, I can't listen to someone talking about 40 straight. Bowl yeah. Games. That's a, it's not me. <laughs> that's ridiculous. It's not going to be us. So we're sparing the listener from having to go down that rabbit hole with us, but we do appreciate you tuning in to the full ride here on the chase of us podcast. Um, Matt green, Bo Nix is returning um, to the University of Oregon. Kenny Dillingham is not back, obviously, because he became the head coach at Arizona State. Uh, Bo Nix going to Oregon was a big reason. Um, the, a big reason was Kenny Dillingham, who was his OC originally with Gus Malzahn at uh, Auburn. He moves on to be the head man, uh, a young, young head man in Tempe, uh, Matt Green. But... Look, I, I think this is kind of big where Oregon was ahead of schedule in year one. They were a couple crazy uh, in-game calls from Dan Lanning away from really having a strong uh, case to make the college ball playoff in year one uh, out of the Pac-12 and in that CFP drought for the Pac-12. Um, by and large, I think an extremely successful season for the Ducks. Um, the Ducks are bringing back a lot of talent. Thornton's in the portal, but they got a big... Uh, receiver transfer already. Um, they obviously were able to run the ball with their two-headed monster all season uh, long this year. Bo Nix had his best college season to date, um, which is huge for them. But I want to ask you, what does it mean for um, their future uh, with Will Stein, now the new offensive coordinator, uh, taking over? So obviously, um, he is on board with Bo Nix. I don't think Bo Nix comes back unless he feels like he is uh, going to be the guy. So, um, Matt Green, long way of saying, Bo Nix returning. How does that shape what you think of the Ducks going into uh, 2023? I mean, I think they have to be considered one of like a top five, top ten team coming into 2023, honestly. Yeah. Like, he was a Heisman candidate. Like, Oregon was a really good team this year. And the Pac-12 was a really good conference. Like, I think we all, I think Auburn, every Auburn fan, like, I really wonder, I'd like to talk to some Auburn fans about Bo Nix because I bet you half the fan base is is kind of pissed at him that, like, now, he look, oh, now he's good that he went to Oregon. And the other half of the fan base is probably like, I knew he was this good all along. We just had to put him in the right system, put whatever the case may be, put him in the right situation. Cause I mean, this guy completed over 70% of his passes, like 14 rushing touchdowns this year, 27 touchdowns, six picks. Like he was a, he was a baller this year. So I think USC is probably going to be the, the betting favorite, you know, going into next year with, with Caleb Williams and it just being year two of Lincoln Riley. Like we'll see whatever they do on signing day and in the portal. But I think Oregon, this is huge for Oregon because there's 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 a few teams out there that are that are competitors <clears throat> or I'm excuse me, contenders this year that like lose their quarterback. You really have no idea where they're gonna be uh coming into twenty twenty three. But I think this this lay this this puts a, a floor of, of Oregon season next year, I think at like nine wins or so. So I think I think they're definitely a contender to 
to, you know, definitely make the playoff and who knows win it all next year. I mean, they're in the blue chip ratio. They've got a bunch of talent. Dan Lanning obviously knows defense. Um, Will Stein, uh, which was a great hire, uh, who comes from UTSA, who has just been a juggernaut um, in the last few years with their offense. So going that route to pick your OC, plucking uh, former Louisville uh, quarterback, um, young dude, but uh, fun offense. And obviously Harris has just been a, a dynamite QB in the UTSA roadrunner system for years now. Bo's in good hands. And I also think he looks at it as like the guys in front of him where I don't, excuse me, I don't know how uh, they would have gone, but like you look at the mocks and you see like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson ahead of him. And you're like, I, the Bo tape this year and the physical tools, I don't know why you would take either of those guys over Bo. Um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for not letting that opening uh, shellacking in the dome to Georgia rock his season um, because obviously they did not go well. But like after that, he just put on an absolute clinic. Like you said, completing 70% of his passes was an absolute machine. He was going throw for throw with Michael Penix Jr. Um, at UW in that uh, rough loss at home. And he got banged up later on in the season. Maybe that was partly because he ran the ball a lot more. But I mean, uh, UCLA gets Kent. Uh, I think they got what Kent State's quarterback uh, to replace DTR in the portal. Um, so they should be fine. He had uh, big numbers in that scheme last year, and their head coach just left to be the OC at Colorado. But you look at the Pac-12, Matt Green, Shador Sanders. You've got Arizona State, which is a huge question mark. It might be DJU <clears throat> territory. Um, Bo Nix at Oregon. You've got Caleb Williams back at uh, USC. Jaden Delora back at Arizona. Um, Cam Ward graduated, so he's gone out of eligibility. But Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, you look at the top of this conference. We've talked about it all year this year. It's probably the most underrated conference in college football, and they return all these big superstar quarterbacks. Like, I think the Pac-12 is going to be maybe even better next year. And I think even though they didn't make the playoff this year, they didn't get a playoff team, I think they're in great position to make it next year because the quarterback play is going to be excellent uh, in back-to-back years. And this is quietly becoming like the place to be for, for quarterbacks. And I think they're even going to have more talent at the top of uh, this conference and on, at the quarterback spot than, than previous years. Yeah, I think so. And they're also, I mean, they brought in, I mean, these two Alabama commits in the portal right now mm-hmm. too with uh Treshawn Holden and, and Kyrie Jackson. So yep. like, I mean, Oregon's definitely making some moves. I know they they go at Texas Tech at a conference. Like, this will be the first year Bo Nix doesn't have to play Georgia in his career, so <laughs> I'm sure he'll be enjoying that. Um, and, I mean, they also go at Utah and at uh, uh, Washington next year. But, yeah, I think they're definitely uh, in a position to contend for a playoff appearance in 2023. Um, absolutely. Matt Green. Um Florida clinched back-to-back losing seasons, but they also clinched uh, not being shut out for the most amount of times in a row with that late field goal uh, against Oregon State. I mean, that was rough. The Vegas Bowl um, just absolutely uh, crushing the Gators. Jack Miller does not look like the guy down in uh, in Gainesville, we can say. Um, but rough, rough game uh, for the Gators, and they fall 6-7. and seven in year one for Billy Napier. Like, look, they're a top 10 team right now in the recruiting rankings, but man, you get the 2024 commit. Uh, what's his name? Longwood Lanewood, um, the uh, lagway lagway, um, which is good. So the recruiting stuff's there. He's doing stuff that Dan Mullen did not do, but Dan Mullen did not lose. He didn't ever, he never got to the six and seven 
territory at UF. The man could coach uh, above all else. And look, you, the personality may have rubbed some people the wrong way. The recruiting wasn't enough. But like, man, I don't know. I think there's I. my question to you, Matt Green. How rough of a year one is this and like embarrassing just to lose Oregon State in this fashion, but also like how many games does he have to win next year to like keep the hot seat off him? Because I six and seven is not going to cut it at Florida. Like this is not what you want to start off with. And if you look at previous regimes at UF, they started pretty well. Like most of them started strong and they kind of fizzled out. He's starting weak and I don't yeah. I don't know. The conference is tough, and the SEC is only getting tougher. And I, I don't know. Where are you at with this Florida but team it, after year it one? It should be noted that I mean, this yeah, Dan Mullen did come in and win games, but he did go six and seven his last year. Well, hold and, on. The last year was weird because he had to fire Todd Grantham and they had the shoe incident with the LSU game. There was some stuff. No, I, that was that was the year before. That was the good oh. season where the shoe happened. You know, that's it's right. Twenty twenty one last season. It's because this is Napier's first year. So mm. this is a, yeah, back to back. Losing seasons for the first time since seventy eight and seventy nine. Well, he went ten like, and three his first year and eleven and two the second. But I'm saying, yeah, make no mistake. Like Napier's year one, this is so much a reflection of Dan Mullen. Like this hmm. is this is the ticking time bomb that was Florida under Dan Mullen. Was like, yeah, he he had you know what Jim McElwain recruited, which already was kind of a down, a, a little bit on the less than Florida was used to, but they still had a lot of good players. He recruited Kyle Trask. He recruited Kyle Pitts. Like, he recruited a a lot of the good players on that defense. So you're seeing, like, how terrible of a job Dan Mullen was truly doing and how bare the cupboard actually was when Billy Napier got there. I think think this is a – it's hard to put a lot on a first year coach and they were like quietly having like a pretty good season too. Like mid November what they were like six and three or whatever, six and four, I guess coming down the stretch and then just losing to Vanderbilt and losing to Florida state. And then just getting absolutely like boat race. Like this, this bowl game means nothing. You know, this is not going to barometer of who they are as a program at all, but damn, you don't want to get blasted 30 to 30 to three. Was that what it ended up? Yes. Like, like oh my god like it was just that it was it was embarrassing and i think i think florida as good of a job as it is it's with tennessee like with tennessee back in the east and actually a contender that makes florida a lot more difficult of a job and you're seeing so many recruits come down to florida and miami and you're seeing like florida's won a couple um and i think uh rashada right he did commit to miami the, the first time but now he's he's committed to florida but you're with how good of a recruiter cristobal is you're seeing the uh, miami get a lot of recruits especially with the nil stuff they have going on and florida state is actually seeing some tangible progress on the field and i mean they're going to be a preseason top 10 team next year I, I would have no doubt just because of the hype that is a, a program like florida state people are ready for florida state to be back type of type of thing Macri, like florida there's state's a case, definitely there's a case that they're a top five team this year i mean i don't know about that i mean right now they're they're playing well for sure but i mean i Look mean who number five is team, right but now. that even goes even more to my point yeah. like it, it's not easy for florida to necessarily to to get up right yeah. now so i don't know it's, do you know where they open next year matt green 
Well, yeah, they got to play Utah, right? They open at Utah next year. They lost to Utah at, or they beat Utah at home this year, which was great. And it was a rough loss for Utah after seeing the way that the rest of the season went. They obviously win the Pac-12 again. But, like, you go to Utah. You get Tennessee at home this year, which is good. But you got to go to Kentucky. You go to South Carolina. Obviously, you get Georgia. You get Arkansas at home, which is nice. But you go to LSU. You go to Mizzou. And then you get Florida State. But I think you made another good point about Florida State. Part of the problem I'm worried about with Florida, I don't think Miami, Miami, the recruiting has not slowed down. They've been electric on the recruiting trail as well. And I think I'm still a believer in Mario Cristobal getting this thing right in year two. I'm not jumping shit from Miami yet, but I am also saying that like part of the issue with Florida right now is Miami spending a lot of money and they're investing hardcore and Florida state has figured it out. Like Florida state is in a really good position. They got the number one tight end in the portal uh, that Tennessee was trying to get the shorter kid. Um, they got obviously Jared verse last year, who was fantastic for them on the edge. They have been fantastic in the portal. They're recruiting really well. I think they're in the top 15, uh, in this class upcoming, but like Jordan Travis, um, was awesome. Benson is just an awesome running back. And like when Florida state just beat you, they beat you. And if that's rivalry has shifted a little bit, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the ceiling is for this Napier tenure, but I, I just don't see them being a real true CFP content, like an actual national title contender uh, anytime soon. I think it's going to be really hard for them. It, yeah, it is tough to say because I mean, you look at, you look at this year one, like schedule, like we talked about how tough of a schedule this was going to be this year. And you did beat a good Utah team at home. Like that was a big time win for the first game of, of a coaching tenure. Like he lost to a, like, you know, what we thought was going to be a good Kentucky team. It turned out to be a pretty mediocre Kentucky team, but not mm-hmm. a bad loss by any means. You lost at Tennessee. You lost to LSU team that won the West. You lost to a Georgia team. That's the number one team in the country. It's like there, it wasn't really a bad season. You also blew out South Carolina. You, you uh, beat Texas A&M handedly. It's like, they had a pretty solid schedule and, and were navigating it pretty well in year one. And then it's like the Vanderbilt loss, just the wheels came off after that. So I, I'm not really sure. I can't even explain the Vanderbilt, what, what happened in that for, to this team down the stretch. But And then, you know, it's hard to even know what, what to make of the bowl game, kind of like I said. But I don't know. It's They're in a, di- they're in a difficult spot. Like Florida State is a traditional power, so this isn't a new thing. That like Florida can Florida has been a good program at the same time Florida State has been a good program. You know, it's not like one has to be up for the other, one has to be down for the other to be up. So it's uh it it's it'll be interesting. It they're 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 the road to being a contender. I think got got much tougher th- this past season with what Florida State and, and Tennessee have become. They can't be seventy fifth in passing again, and I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Um, next year, it's probably not me. Jack Miller is it's probably me a portal guy, right? Like they're going to have to be a portal guy. Portal. Yeah, they seem like they're. I would almost guarantee they go to the portal. Like what a DJ Uyunglele or something. You can't risk like, that. You can't go Richardson Uyunglele back to back. He wasn't terrible though. He That's was pretty bad. He just he was so disappointing for what he was supposed to be. But he wasn't. I mean. Florida's talking about Jack Miller. You think they're not going to take DJ Uyunglele? Like they, they, they don't necessarily have just like the pick of whoever they want necessarily. Like DJU is big enough to be a quarterback at a at a top twenty five program. But he's a downgrade from Richardson. Is he? 
I think so. Because Richardson at I least mean, is good. I think he's it's a good debatable. Runner. I mean, they had a good rushing offense. And I guess he's at least a too. way more dynamic runner. Yeah, for sure. And really hard to bring down. Like that man was next to impossible to sack. And I think uh, that's what what Billy Napier wants. I mean, if yeah. you kind of go back to maybe that's the only kind of player you could get Spencer at, Sanders, at Louisiana. Maybe. And so, yeah, maybe. But, you know, that could just be the personnel he's had and maybe not his preference. So, you know. We shall see. Like, I mean, I wouldn't rule out someone like Devin Leary, although, you know, I don't know I think if that's a fit. They, there's there's noise of Devin Leary somewhere else, right? Kentucky, I think, is what. No, people... Graham Mertz is going to Kentucky. It looks like. Graham Mertz at Kentucky is that? Yeah. I think I saw him crystal bald on the twenty four seven. For what it's worth, I'm not sure what the is it. Crystal I haven't balls seen it. Are are worth, but let me I see. Think he, I think uh, Devin Leary's prediction is is Kentucky right now. Let's see. Yeah, he has a projection to Kentucky. So I mean, whatever mm. that's worth. Like I don't. This portal stuff is so new. Like I don't. I don't take the recruiting crystal balls. Like how dare for, he? By uh, as gospel, but you know who knows. Yeah, that's weird. Um, but I mean, with Liam coming back in the fold, hey, I would understand. Um, better. I mean, it's not like you're going to South Carolina where you're having to put out statements of like, Hey, everybody wanted this guy. Like the people were calling like, yeah, the, yeah. His offenses in the NFL were not good, but like people wanted him at this level. Like that's people wanted him. Here's this video <laughs> of Jay Cutler. Here's this video of uh, another guy to prove that people are really excited about this hire. We want you to understand that people are very under uh, are very very excited we are excited we are going to be awesome everything's fine um just uh not going to say what university but everything's fine uh, everything is fine everything is fine um like the fit jeff sims at nebraska macarine do you think that's the right spot for him um sure I uh I I like that I feel like Jeff Sims is someone who has who has ability and if he mm-hmm. can get in a, in a better situation and you know I like Matt Rule I think I'm I like what he can he can do potentially at Nebraska so yeah I I trust that Matt Rule can put him in a position to succeed. I'm curious. I mean, obviously we saw um, we've seen great quarterback play uh, from Matt Rule in the past. Obviously not in the NFL level. There's a lot of struggles there, but. I don't know, Marcus Adderfield obviously coming over from South Carolina to be his OC. Um, I don't know. Like, they they were under the radar, sneaky, competent. Casey Thompson was pretty good uh, for them most of this year. I am uh, I am a little curious to see how Jeff Sims does because it's a better competition. Like, he was solid in the ACC. He was solid for Tech, but the competition, by and large, is not what he's going to play week in, week out in Nebraska. Um, and just better defenses by and large. Like, let me pull up Nebraska's 2023 schedule because, look, you're one with the new coach, and Jeff Sims has got to uh, – it's just – it's going to be hard. Um, let me pull up their schedule. Let's see, 2023, they get um, at Minnesota to open. That's a tough one. They have a top-10 defense from a year ago. They go to Colorado, so he starts off with two road games, and I think they'll be dogs in both. Um, you get Michigan at home, which is nice, but you got to go to Illinois. Uh, you go to Michigan State. Go to Wisconsin. Close with Iowa, your new rival. I don't know. This this is a tough schedule. I think they're gonna they're gonna barely uh, be fighting for bowl time. So I don't know. I mean, it's a good spot. He goes up uh, a level in terms of competition, but I am intrigued by the the talent and the flash as we saw at Georgia Tech. I just 
I don't know. I'll, it's a wait and see with Satterfield and Rule in this uh, this schedule for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, uh, I'm excited to see uh, Nebraska and Colorado playing again. If, if, if it's anything, the the backyard brawl uh, rivalry renewed uh, was like, then then it'll be a good one. They better have Bobby Purify and Chris Brown out there for the <laughs> coin toss. Eric Crouch, mm-hmm. he'll be there. I hope so. Um, Amon Green, what's he you doing? You see Eric Crouch uh, at the Heisman ceremony? It was like... I didn't watch it. Eric Crouch is just... You're like who is that? Oh, Eric. Does he Crouch. not look like he Eric Crouch almost, anymore? Uh, I feel like it was. I don't know. He just looks like such a regular guy. It's just. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. funny. Hey man, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Uh, Purdue hired the DC from Illinois, who was also at Mizzou uh, with Barry Odom. Uh, Ryan Walters considered a rising star in his industry. Um, obviously, Purdue loses Jeff Brom late in the coaching carousel to Louisville. He immediately hires Graham Harrell, who's, I think, coached at every <laughs> university at this point um, as an OC. So he was at one year at West Virginia. He bounces. He was at USC previously, Texas Tech, obviously a Texas Tech quarterback. Um, and he was the one who threw it to Crabtree, right? Wasn't he the quarterback for the oh, Red yeah. Raiders? Um, like at led the time. nation in passing, I think, like twice. Yeah, Graham Harrell, good player. But it was one of those things that raised an eyebrow for me, Matt Green. And it wasn't just because Drew Brees is coaching the bowl game. Or what is he doing? Is he coaching the whole game? I didn't know that. Drew Brees is coaching in this game? Is He's like an on... I'm pretty sure he's coaching. Like, that was what I saw. He was hired as like an assistant coach. Getting his Jeff Saturday on? Uh, he was hired by as an interim assistant coach to help a Citrus Bowl prep. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair wild. enough. I don't know. Um, I don't know I what guess, his role I is. I guess Drew be. Brees can coach. Who knows? We'll see. It's a ball game. Who cares? Um, but I'm curious, Matt Green, because he obviously had an electric defense, and they were top notch. They're going to have a couple NFL players, uh, especially in the secondary um, from this Illinois group. He was fantastic for Brett Bielema and getting this thing righted um, early on in Champaign. But it's weird because. Purdue doesn't do this, and um, you go back through their like Purdue's identity is offense. Like this has always been an offensive identity. Drew Brees, Kyle Orton, Aiden O'Connell, Jeff Brom. You look at it, and you're like Tillery was a defensive-minded guy, but he still had offensive-minded approaches, and those teams were still defined by the offense, right? Like Purdue, we when we think of the Purdue Boilermakers, we think of Rondale Moore, we think of just often when think, I, I think of statue quarterbacks and i think of purdue yeah honestly. but quarterbacks that produce like <laughs> good true. there was some there's some pretty good quarterbacks in their history so when i saw ryan walters i was like mm. like my immediately thought was like great coach wrong fit like i this is not gonna work this is an a classic great coach wrong fit situation for me and Graham Harrell, obviously, so the Graham Harrell thing signals to me, he's like, he knows, like, we cannot lose <laughs> the offensive identity. Like, we need to be slinging this thing around, um, and we need to keep that approach going. But it's also, like, a very different approach than what he was dealing with at Illinois. Like, they were ground and pound. Your guy, Chase Brown, running the ball over and over and over again and giving the defense time to rest and all that good stuff. Graham Harrell's shooting, and we're going air raid. So it's a very different scheme than what he was just dealing with in Champaign. But... I don't know this to me unfortunately for my uh boilermaker listeners this reeks of a firing in three to four years like i i don't think this fit works um i think uh this is just a 
I don't know. It's a tough one for me. If I'm Ryan Walters, you know where he but fits you never for me? Know. It's like it's it, Iowa. He should have gone to Iowa. Iowa should have made Kirk Ferentz retire, and he would have slotted right in perfect. But it could be, you know, like a, a Sam Pittman situation. Like, I mean, a guy who's always been an offensive line coach, you just assume, oh, he's going to want to ground and pound and whatever. Yeah. And it's like he he gets uh, brings in Bryles, and he's trying to run a kind of a spread, like, up-tempo offense. So, you know, it's they obviously did run the ball really well as, as well. But I don't know. So I, You don't necessarily know exactly who a guy is. If you're bringing in Graham Harrell, you want to throw the ball 40 mm-hmm. times a game at least. Like, I I, would, I don't know why else you're, you're bringing him in. I'm Him being an air raid guy, like, that's that's what they're going to do. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it how it works out. Personally, I was hoping that Todd Monken would get plucked. I, I just sure got to tell you, you I'm annoyed that this man, we lose Alex Golish to USF and like Todd Monken's just sitting around in this Georgia uh, offensive coordinator room. And I'm like, get this guy out of here. Buster Faulkner gets plucked, which was a positive as the OC at Georgia Tech. But man, I'm waiting on the Monken departure. It's, uh, I'm waiting on it, Matt Green. I was hoping Ryan yeah, Walters could get You just him in look there. at a guy like Monken. I mean, with what his with what his like track record is like he's had some some nfl success like he's been in college like he's had you know the the stint in southern miss that was his only head coaching uh tenure and it's it's like does this guy want to be a head coach like i think that's that's part of it like with with uh with what the recruiting game is it's like does he does he want to recruit 50 hours a week or does he want to just call plays and enjoy being the highest paid coordinator in college football. It's, it, you know, who knows? So guys can sometimes get comfortable in their role. I think Monken is going to be, you know, with every year that Georgia has success offensively, I think he's going to be a name that's brought up, you know, every, every year. So, I mean, I, we still don't know that it'll make it out of this season without, without taking a jump. Uh, maybe Georgia... maybe it's time get the monken family bowl for army navy let's get what todd is... monken versus jeff monken going he's getting paid like i think two and a half million a year like maybe can do 2.6 can navy pay the head coach 2.6 million i'm not sure they can like it's a good question I, I don't know what they make i think you're sitting like you've seen now georgia coordinators get the head coaching job at oregon at mm-hmm. arkansas at Mel Tucker went to Colorado, but now at Michigan State, it's like there's there's no reason to really wait around. Like, is Purdue that good of a job? Like, I don't think it's on the on the level of those other programs. That he would have fit that that offense and his style. Like, he actually would have been interesting as a HC at yeah. Purdue. He could be holding out for something better, or he could just be enjoying his, How his old is time. He? I don't know. I'd have to say he's, he's got to be sixty. But, he um, is 56. 56. Okay, I apologize, Todd. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you know you just get comfortable doing a certain thing. In Georgia, it's like he's he's got the keys. He can do whatever he wants uh, on that offensive side of the ball. And you've seen Georgia have a really good offense the last couple of years. And like I, I've told you before, I, I think I think Will Muschamp, like I think Will Muschamp is is never going to have another job hmm. uh, other than I don't think he's ever going to leave Georgia. I should say, like I think. At some point, Glenn Schumann is probably going to get a head coaching job here in the next four or five years or something. And then I think Muschamp will be the the solo defensive coordinator. And just however long Kirby's at Georgia, I think Muschamp's going to just be his right-hand man. He's done his head coaching job thing. Now he's back in Athens. He's home. I don't know. I, I, I wonder if Muschamp will ever leave. 
I think he's going to do the home thing for a while, but I think he ends. He goes Terry Bowden to me. He strikes me as a Terry Bowden guy. Or not Terry. Which one's Terry and which one's Tommy? I always get him backwards. Tommy was the Clemson coach, Tommy right? Tommy was Clemson, yeah. Yeah, okay. Terry, I had it right. Where he took Akron and then he was at like ULM. Did he go to like Samford or he went somewhere real small, didn't he? He was at a couple small ones. I think Muschamp is like the coach of South Alabama in like seven years or like UAB or something. I don't think he gets another power five job, but I think he does that. The circuit at the end where he, he coaches the small schools it's, in the South. Yeah, it's possible. Valdosta um, State. Yeah. Like <laughs> something like that. Jacksonville State even. That's where Rich Rod is. People just assume these guys are going to keep getting these head coach. I'm like, I don't think these programs are just dipping back in like they used to in, in that regard. I don't think they're going for a retread of that many ilks um everyone wants to find the next sean mcveigh that's yeah. they want to find a 34 year old coach like there's a reason dan mullen's not coaching in the sec i mean i look we'll see but i think it's uh it's hard uh to get multiple stops in this conference um bowl game that you were most intrigued by and you learned the most from uh in our pod one mac green was which one which one had your attention which one were you locked in on uh, the, I mean, the one I watched the most was definitely Florida, Oregon State. Mm. Um, it's hard to say we learn the most from that because it's like, is Jack Miller ever going to start another game as Florida's quarterback? It's like, you know, it's hard hard to say. Um, but Oregon State, it's kind of like I said, like it's you're going up against the SEC team. Like that's your Super Bowl as Oregon State. And they came out just clearly ready to play. Um, but I think Southern Miss, Southern Miss mm. Rice, I think uh, sneakily was one of the better games we got. Um, you just love Frank Gore Jr. You've been a big Frank Gore Jr. guy for a while. Have I? Have I said? Have I been a big Frank Gore Jr. guy? I'm yeah, not, you, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. But you love um, Frank McCord Jr. or Frank McCord, uh, Frank Gore Jr. I was always a Frank Gore fan, so maybe maybe I have. Maybe I didn't realize how much I've hyped him up, but for good reason in this one he had 329 rushing yards mm. and and threw a, broke touchdown a record right pass. i mean was it a bowl record or was he it just this bowl some, game's record he broke some kind of record this weekend it's like frank Gore jr i can't believe he didn't transfer at any point like the dude is somehow only 20 and i feel like he's been at southern miss forever like how is this dude not the starting tailback at alabama at this point the guy is just a running machine how is uh miami not just brought him back yeah, it was an NCAA bowl record for 329 yards for Frank Gordon. Wow. <sighs> yeah, he's uh, he's better than anybody the Hurricanes have, that's for sure. But um, but he's just over here at Southern Miss, just hiding out for my guy Will Hall. Uh, nothing but the best for for my dude. But I mean, just really weird. You don't see this. This is like one of those things I think goes away in college football, right? Like these kind of guys who are just putting up these bonker stats at uh, the G5 level. They just are getting plucked up. But he's just like, no, I'm good. I like Hattiesburg. Uh, I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna dial up 3:30 against the Rice Owls, who only got in because I mean, of. I mean, if he had computer. if he had had like as good of a year this year as he did a couple years ago, then like I think he probably does bounce. But he wasn't like a a superstar or anything. He's been a solid player for a few years. But um, I think you're definitely gonna see these guys that have 1,200 yard, 1,300 yard freshman seasons. They're gonna. They're gonna say peace, like like Drake May. Like there's about to be a riot uh, in college football if Drake May had transferred to one of these uh, powerhouse programs after a great freshman year. But yeah, it's uh, this the nature of the beast. This is this is what it is now. 
Well, we got a new commissioner, an NCAA commissioner, so everything's fine, Matt Green. The governor of Massachusetts, I think, right? Isn't that yeah, just... that's so whatever that means. I'm not <laughs> sure how to. I'm not sure how to take that. Um, before we get into, we're gonna do a college football playoff teaser, Matt Green, ahead of the games that we're still about. What when people are hearing this, we're looking at eleven game, eleven days out from when those two games tee off. How are you feeling now, like with Tory um, and being a a how can I phrase this being kind of a, a lockdown man in your thirties where our, our priorities have shifted a little bit where we're not the going out and doing the midnight late stuff. And here's what I, I haven't run into no, this yet. It's funny you say that. Mm-hmm. I, cause I, we literally had a conversation about this. Did you? Um, if, if you're going with the direction, I think you're going, do you, 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 you may start or you, you still got more to say. I'll tell you if I was going that way. Okay. What you're saying. Yeah. Um, a few years back, they announced that these college football playoff games were going to be like on New Year's Eve. Yes. And I was like, that's garbage. Mm. Like I was a single guy and I think it was probably mm. 2013, 2014. I'm like, New Year's Eve is such like a go out, get drunk, like do mm. whatever kind of holiday. Like this sucks. Like I'm a huge college football fan. I'm definitely not doing New Year's Eve stuff. I'm going to be mm. watching the playoff, but since being in a relationship it's i'm like college football on new year's <laughs> eve this is perfect like i just want to chill i don't want to be out driving and doing shit on new year's eve like i just want to you know be chilling at home or whatever and now you got college football playoff games on it's like it's perfect does tori feel the same way where she's like oh george is awesome now and we're just gonna be locked in on new year's eve for the foreseeable future aren't we like i can just cancel new year's eve plans for like the next five years i think tori's down because tori's always uh just down to to be at home with the dogs anyway so if if georgia wasn't in the playoff then i wonder how uh Hmm. how down she would be to be for those to be our new year's eve plans but i think she i think I've I've created a college football diehard <laughs> here, so uh, I, she's she's always down. I uh, I don't miss it, like going out the crowd, like the New Year's Eve one. I never understood, man. That was always a nightmare for me. Like it's just packed everywhere. Um, you're trying to beat traffic. Everything's slammed. You're trying to find the right spot to be in when the ball drops or the peach drops or whatever. Like there's just all this kind of stuff, and there's so much pressure to do stuff on New Year's and having college football playoff that night you're like there's no pressure anymore like i know this is what i want to do and it's understood yeah. by so many people who are like yeah we get it you want to go stay home and watch that why would you not want to do that you you're like i got my buffalo chicken dip ready to go like we're doing our <laughs> loaded mashed potato or baked potatoes like our, i'm I, i'm not moving from uh, from this spot for this i'm not doing it get yeah, zeus and maddox what are they that's yeah. very true i always said that new year's eve is when you find out who your real friends are hmm. like people like because people are always like you know back when you were young at least this is not a thing i experience anymore people yeah. calling and making plans and figuring out oh we could go here or we could go oh, those here. days are over no i don't have anything like that <laughs> it's like someone invites me to something oh yeah two weeks from now yeah i'll come like mm-hmm. i don't i won't have anything else going on um <laughs> but back when you were like younger it was like People like on New Year's, you're like, everyone wants to be doing their like ideal thing when the ball drops. So Mm -hmm. they have like their ideal scenario of what New Year's Eve is. And so they're like, oh, 
what are you doing over there? Who all is over there? Like you're trying to figure out how cool that party is or is this party. You want to be in like a cool spot yeah. when the ball drops. So I always notice like New Year's Eve, you find out who your true friends are. And you find out like how <laughs> how much people care about what you do and the judgment for how you spend New Year's. Like there is some pressure when you go into the office the next day when they're like, so what did you do for New Year's? And you have to answer and you feel guilt or you feel like a dork if you're just like... Um, I stayed home. I remember one year I went to Fruitvale Station by myself and obviously a, a tragic story, but a great movie with Michael B. Jordan. And it was a great way to spend a New Year's. I was like, fantastic. Like I was by myself. I just got away and I was like, I'm just going to go to the movies. And no one was at the movies because most people <laughs> don't go to the movies on New Year's. And I was like, this is just perfect. So I got in the middle of the spot, like high up and I was... <laughs> I was just good to go. I was totally content. But people are like, you did New Year's in Fruitvale Station? That that was your New Year's? I'm like, yeah, it was amazing. I got some gummy bears. I had a icy. It's great. Why do you have to do stuff? Hey, you some people just aren't um aren't cool just being alone with their own thoughts, you know. That's true. So, you know, if you can just do do your own thing solo, sometimes that's all you need to do. But I think New Year's is I've always uh I there's certain holidays. I feel like I don't have very much holiday uh festiveness in mm. general well like, christmas is coming up what's happening but, here, um, Green? hey we got some christmas lights up now okay so we we didn't have any of uh, the last couple years but we got a little so you put little the neighbor to work again and some stockings on the on the uh mantle so how that much was, did you contribute to this work my contribution <laughs> was like you know tori i was thinking about it i'd kind of like to have like some christmas stuff up and she was like are you telling me that you want me to do that and i was like no 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 and then she like a couple days later just surprised me and, like, i would never tell up. you that i would like for this to be done but like it would make me happy like i'm not saying it wouldn't like <laughs> i was because i was like i'm not telling you to do that but we actually if we're just gonna be uh chilling at home on on christmas day we should have a little bit of christmas but i mean like i have some in stuff in the cart for you on amazon but like I can't get over that last little hump of <laughs> checkout based on uh, what the light situation is in our house. So I don't know. Like I'm not saying that's what I we you should do, but oh, like yeah. I'm also like I don't know. I'm just kind of frozen at checkout. So I guess we're we'll, we'll have see to what do happens. the uh, we got the stockings. They're like blank stockings. So like I, hold like, on, what are you doing stockings for? What what could do y'all use them? Like how does that work on Christmas morning? I don't know. We haven't really, we haven't really done. They, we're we're new at the Christmas thing, right? We really keep it simple. Same here. That's Christmas. why I'm asking because like but, I've only um, been I was for saying three we months. gotta like design them, you know, get get the little the the dogs' names and our names on the, yeah. uh, you know, the the classic uh, Christmas Christmas type stuff, you know, yeah. you know how it goes. Okay. Have you already gotten Zeusomatic something? Do they know? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure I have. <laughs> <laughs> You've done no Christmas shopping. Matt Green is... Uh, no. It's going to be a busy week for Matt Green. He's going to jingle all the way it. And look, as we learned in that movie, it's a, it's a risky it's turbo time. That's what it's, I learned from that movie. It is turbo time. The best Christmas movie um, that I do That's say. That's the so. best one? It's my favorite. It's always been my go-to. What's your go-to? Well, Christmas Vacation is definitely the go-to. But um, Elf, I would have to say Elf mm. is really... It's really gotten itself. It's like old enough now that it's like a classic. And yeah. it's Elf is definitely, uh, it's a movie I don't think about. And then I see it on. And I'm like, you know, I basically laugh at everything Will Ferrell's in. So this is, this is funny. I think that the same, like 
if you like a Christmas story, that's your go-to, you're the police. Like, we're probably, like, don't invite me to your home. Like, if you have a, a Christmas story on, a can't Christmas do it. story? Yeah. Can't I was thinking Christmas Carol when you said that. Like, the Christmas Carol is the old school, the Scrooge and all that. Oh, that's um, extremely creepy. Can you imagine walking Christmas into Christmas story, a, you're yeah. talking... Um, well, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so overrated. That overrated. So overrated. I mean, it is. It's fine. It's 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 good. I'm not gonna say it's bad. I'm not gonna shit on it. But it's not a. <laughs> it it was a classic, and so it is a movie you needed to see if you're seeing mm. all the Christmas movies. But it's like, I don't know. They just the whole TBS thing they did for like however many years of just playing it for like 24 mm. hours straight. Just terrible call. Made me yeah. hate that movie, honestly. <laughs> um christmas uh vacation obviously a classic love that i will say if you ever watch like christmas vacation and just the national lampoons vacation like close to each other you're like these are two very different characters that have completely <laughs> different personalities and the type of humor it is it's like so much physical humor and christmas vacation and vacation is just nothing like that it's just really weird that they're in the same like trilogy family because they're completely different movies and completely different vibes and honestly completely different kinds of people honestly i can't remember the last time i saw the original vacation it's a uh, classic it's, been... it's so much better than christmas vacation mm, that's that's bold that's a bold statement sir i'll have to check that out actually it's been a while since i saw that it's a good one uh it's a good one um matt green playoff teaser uh this is uh your subset of the podcast tonight how do you want to tee this off well you know it's just been so long since we talked about these games you know there's just we've talked about how flawed the college football playoff or the college football calendar is that it's like Mm -hmm. the season's over we're talking about new coaching hires we're talking about the transfer portal we're talking about signing day we're just talking about all these different things and it's like oh yeah we still need to figure out who the best team is in the country still need to figure out that sum up this whole season thing Mm -hmm. and uh so i thought thought we did just a little teaser segment because we we want to get our picks in we we do this in our podcast later in the week but um george ohio state i think is uh just such a sexy matchup let's be Mm. honest like this is this is what the people wanted to see what most people wanted to see in the national championship but we're going to see it in atlanta on the 31st on the 31st i should say um what is the number one thing you want to see in this game i think it's stetson again because the thing that i think people undervalue with stetson bennett is just what he does in big games because what i said about him and why he should not have been a heisman finalist was just that like he tanked some bad games like the kent state one the mizzou games against inferior competition where it was like what are we what are we watching here like he he really struggled in those kind of games which is just weird because he comes through and just like the Oregon game to open the year he's just like a man on a mission and I'm gonna bury you he's wanting to bury Tennessee for uh leaking the phone number and he does that gesture and it's just the swagger is right there and then you look at what he did against LSU and you go up and down the list and I'm like all right let's look at his actual numbers against AP ranked teams and like what the difference in with him as a quarterback is and it's just like the dude had 15 TDs and two picks against AP ranked teams, number four in the country. Stetson has completed 73% of his passes and is averaging 10.1 yards per attempt in those AP ranked games. Like, he just 
amps up his play so much that I'm so curious to see if that continues against Ohio State, who I think is the best team he'll play this year. Um, I mean, to this point. So I'm very curious to see if that trend continues and if Stetson is just like a different person, a different quarterback by and large when um, he's faced with big moments like the Alabama game last year. And I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious to see if that keeps up with a month layoff and what Ohio State is able to do to kind of limit what he's been able to just destroy all the big teams that he's played all year long because it's just it's a different guy. That's my biggest thing I'm looking for. Yeah, I think that's a good call because there are some games that like was Stetson a, a Heisman candidate? You know, you can you can argue forever if he if he deserved to be a finalist, but in the biggest games, you're right, he did come to play. I'm curious to see C.J. Stroud versus this Georgia secondary because mm. this is obviously the the Big Ten has had a lot of good defenses this year. You know, there's you know you know there's a debate to be had if it was a bunch of good defenses in the Big Ten or a bunch of bad offenses. You can kind of go either way, but when you look at Ohio State, like with what Georgia did to Tennessee, like that's obviously the best measuring stick for Georgia. It's like Ohio state feels like they have two elite college players. When mm-hmm. you talk about Hendon hooker and Jalen Hyatt, but when you look at CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison jr, it's like, those are two NFL players. It's like, I don't know that Jalen Hyatt's going to be an elite NFL player. I, I personally think Cedric Tillman's like a better, like pound for pound, like receiver, like how mm-hmm. he projects to the next level. But and like Hinden Hooker, it's like is he a, more of a product of this great hypo system? Is he truly like a first round talent type of thing? Like it's hard to say. Like C.J. Stroud seems like that prototype that NFL teams want. Marvin Harrison Jr. seems like just a first round talent at wide receiver. These are going to be the two just truly best players I think Georgia's faced all season. And you've seen Georgia's secondary, you know, hold up pretty well uh, against most of the teams they played. Like Bo Nix. Uh, or Oregon and, and Tennessee were by far the two best offenses they played, and, and they scored a combined, I think, what, 16 points in those two games against Georgia. So I'm I'm really curious to see what C.J. Stroud can do against this Georgia defense. Um, In terms of matchup to watch for me, I think it's just that, like, what's super fascinating is Georgia's number – uh, two in sacks allowed in the country. They've only given up seven sacks in 13 games. Ohio State's right behind them at number five because um, Washington Southern and Georgia are all tied at number two. Oregon only gave up four sacks all year long. Uh, kind of coincidence as to whether or not or why Bo Nix had a great year. It turns out when quarterbacks have time, good quarterbacks, good things happen. Um, who would have thought? C.J. Stroud has had just as much time all year long. He's only been sacked eight times. So I wonder if Georgia is not able to get home against Ohio State and, like, the Ohio State offensive line holds up. What does that mean for – it kind of leads into what you're saying with the secondaries. Like, if C.J. Stroud has time because he is such a pocket guy, it's not a Justin Fields, it's not a Cardale Jones or J.T. Barrett. Like, he is going to be in the pocket. Like, this guy who wants to stay in the pocket – and fire downfield and just kill you in the intermediate stuff. And we'll see, but I'm very curious to see if that holds up and he is not forced to, to run or he's not shaken up because he's getting hit and just harassed more than he, he ever has because to this point he's right there with Stetson where they have not had to run for their life really at all this whole season. Yeah. And 
it's it's hard not to go back to the Tennessee game because it is just one game and you don't want to yeah. make your entire opinion about Georgia be the Tennessee game because I mean the crowd had so much to do with just disrupting that offense as well. Like I think Georgia's going to have, you know, in Atlanta, they're going to have more than 50% of the fans, but Ohio state's a giant fan base. Like they're going to travel attend. for this one. This one's going to be, it's going to be much more neutral than the sec championship or the, the Oregon Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Like uh, the matchup I'm curious to see, and you kind of alluded to it is it, it every game with Georgia gets made as, X off whatever offense versus Georgia defense. Can Georgia's mm-hmm. defense get, you know, shut down this so and so offense? And it just gets kind of lost that Georgia's got a top ten offense in college football and, and they're they're the second best offense in the SEC this year, more productive than Alabama was. And going against Ohio State, like Ohio State hasn't faced a lot of good offenses. Like Ohio State's mm-hmm. faced two top fifty offenses this season. And they scored a com- an average of 38 points a game, and, and it was Penn State and, and Michigan. So Georgia's offense against Ohio State's defense, I think, is is a matchup that I think is if Ohio State's getting stops and can allow their uh, their their offense to to work and and not have to score every time they get it, I think that's going to be the game changer for Ohio State. Yeah, um, I I don't know so it's funny like where I flip now um, because I said it's just gonna be really hard it's really really hard to go 15 and 0 it's really hard to win back-to-back national titles like it's just especially in the expanded playoff era and we definitely won't see it in the 12 team playoff era like it's just the injuries and everything else like there's just no way you're going 16 17 and 0 in the modern college football landscape Um, undefeated is gonna be much tougher but that's what I'm saying like undefeated is what I'm saying undefeated is just gonna be I mean, we'll probably see it once, maybe, but it's just going to be really hard. There's a reason but no one's also, going 16 or 17 or no. Not to interrupt your thought, but also if LSU 2019 yeah. just has to play the 12th ranked team and the the 8th ranked team on the way to get into the, I'm sure they, I'm sure they go 17 and 0 or whatever it takes. Maybe injuries, but you got to remember injuries are part of this. Like that's a lot more games. Like yeah. does Trevor Lawrence stay healthy? for that many or excuse me joe burrow like i don't know like jamar chase who knows um it's just more possibilities you're rolling the dice more for devastating injury to to happen and wreck your season um and we're gonna see that like that's the 12 team playoff fallout where we're gonna see um a playoff shift because someone got injured um in the first round or something and it's gonna be a big time quarterback and it's gonna shake uh things but it's just where we're at um i will say i just i'm leaning more towards Georgia takes care of business here and then Michigan gets to just sit on TCU and we'll get into them in a second. But like my, my heart's leading towards Michigan winning the national title, Matt Green. My, mm. I think to, Georgia fans need to be pulling hardcore for TCU because they do not want the back-to-back physical body blow of Ohio state and Michigan and back-to-back games. I don't think they want that. You need to pull for TCU Calling at this point, you got. What are the officials doing? Are we getting the Buffalo Wild Wings where they're just tripping? They're popping up, tripping Max Duggan as he runs anywhere near the end zone. Uh, this one just to make sure that we don't get a Georgia TCU national title game because that not obviously that'll be the lowest um, viewed national title game of all time, and it won't be particularly close if that's what we get. But like, 
goodness gracious like they would open as what three three td favorites if that were the case like i mean if they beat michigan they gotta be a damn good team i'm telling you we're we're getting ahead of ourselves we are but i'm just saying like that's something i'm thinking about right now is uh what happens if that were to go go that route because goodness gracious i do not think that would be a good game whatsoever georgia tcu so um we shall see but last part about georgia ohio state uh the team who does blank will win Mm. this game i think if stetson bennett like if this jim Knowles defense gets home and they are able to do kind of the same stuff that Mizzou did, where they really just send the house and they just see what happens with Georgia's wide receivers. And they're like, see if you can get open. We'll see. We're going to send everybody and we're going to bet that your wideouts cannot get open. What happens when we take away Brock Bowers? And that's easier said than done. But I mean, Tennessee, I mean, he Brock Bowers was not a real factor in the Tennessee game. It's like Tennessee focused so much on limiting that part of it that it was like, oh, yeah, right. Is that because Bowers was shut down or is that because just other guys were making plays? Maybe. Know? I don't know. But Brock Bowers was making plays in every other game, basically. So I don't know. I think Tennessee deserves some credit for Brock Bowers not having a, a big time day. Um, either way, doesn't matter. I just, I think if Stetson is getting hurried and Stetson is under the same kind of duress that um, he was under, um, against like a Mizzou, I wonder what that does. I think if Stetson has time, like he did against Oregon, and he's just able to pick you apart and just go to Bowers here, Bowers there, and Ohio State has to play from behind like that, I don't, I don't see C.J. Stroud being the guy to be like, all right, we're down seventeen, nothing, we can bounce back, like we're, we're gonna be all right. Like I just, I don't see that. So if they're not all over Stetson early, and I'm not seeing like Stetson having to roll out from the pocket and Stetson getting, uh getting dinged up a little bit i'm like oh georgia's rolling so i think that's the key for me is if stetson has a clean pocket just right it's over georgia's covering and winning big yeah i think that's fair i think uh i want to say like the team that wins the running game the running battle wins this game just because georgia's so good at making teams be one-dimensional and so if ohio state is actually able to run the ball and keep georgia honest like I think that goes huge for them. And then on the other side, if George's actually able to run the ball and take pressure off of Stetson to have to win it for him, it's massive for them. So that kind of goes both ways. But I feel like the team that wins the turnover battle is is who mm. wins. Because you've seen in the games that Georgia's almost lost this year, it's the games that they've turned the ball over multiple mm. times. So if Ohio State can get some key turnovers, I think that's a way that, that they can uh, win this game. But... Yeah, we'll uh, we'll obviously get more into our picks later in the week, but uh, wanted to touch on that one. Um, and then Michigan TCU, what uh, what do you want to see in this in this Michigan TCU game? This is tough because I'm good. Like I said, I'm revealing my cards, and it's nothing nothing against you, TCU. I appreciate you guys. Great run. I'm just gonna be pulling so hard for the Michigan Wolverines here. Like I want no. What do you part. have against TCU now? Because I just know that they can't win the gauntlet. You know what I mean? Like they just can't win a title. So I just look at them as like you're just occupying space, and I just want the best possible national title. And the best possible national title is Michigan, Georgia. So, so what so, you want to see from this game is TCU does not be around anymore. That, yeah, that, I want TCU to have the game from hell. I'm not even kidding. Like I want to see this them playing with their food week after week, struggling with team after team, having to hurry, scurry your special teams on to beat Baylor late, a Baylor team that did not beat a ranked team all year long. Like I just I want this to die. 
unfortunately, Matt Green. I want it to die. I want it to be ugly. I want Michigan to do what George did to Michigan uh, in the semifinal last year. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a Michigan JJ McCarthy beat down where it's like unleash the fury jj uh shout out to road trip uh, a movie that you text me about often i'm like hey have you thought about quoting road trip <laughs> yeah. more on the podcast and i'm like all right if you whatever you want um you've been your road trip a few times yeah Classic. by the way that's what i think is um i want this to be an absolute blowout is i i don't want this to be particularly close matt green well if i'm picking one thing i want i definitely want it to be a close game i nope. think we all want we all want it to be an entertainment we've seen enough blowouts in the college football playoff it's true uh to at least want it to be a close game but i um i really want to see what what uh michigan's defense is made of hmm. like i think um a lot has been made this year about the 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 defenses being played in a, in, a, in the Big Ten this year, and it kind of goes, it kind of alluded to it with Ohio State this year. Like I, I really want to figure out how legit the Big Ten is. Like that's the number one thing I want to see from these from this uh, this playoff in general. Like you look at these two teams, TCU has faced eight top fifty offenses this year in. Uh, 13 game schedule. I guess they played 12 teams because uh, they played Kansas State twice. Michigan has faced two top 50 offenses and they've faced eight of the bottom 30 offenses in college football. So like part of this could be the Big Ten just playing great defense week in, week out. But part of it could be that they don't play very good offense in the Big Ten. And TCU is a super dynamic offense. And this is this is a better offense than than other than Ohio State, this is a better offense than Michigan's seen all season. And they're all, they're also a different approach to Ohio State with the run with the quarterback being such a running threat. They're they haven't faced a team. And you saw Sean Clifford. I mean, what do you have? Like a 50-yard t- it wasn't a touchdown. He got I think he got pulled down inside the five or something. But Clifford had like 70, 80 yards in this game against Michigan. Like that's probably the only game that someone ever really gave him trouble, but it's you know, Michigan, Ohio State seasons this year, they didn't really have a murderer's row. They kind of had a handful of maybe like two or three games that you were worried about them potentially getting challenged. But so I think I think just this offense and and seeing what what this Michigan defense really is, like I, I wonder if if they're as elite as they look uh, on paper, because I don't think they've seen an offense like Max Duggan and TCU yet. But on the flip side, they're elite on defense, and they're also elite on offense. Like they're the number two uh, offensive uh, net points per drive uh, per BCF toys. Uh, Georgia's number one, by the way. Ohio State number three, Bama number four, Tennessee five. Um, but yeah, that's your top five. Where's TCU T- there? Down there at sixteenth. Okay, but there's still like Ohio State is, you know, a really a great offense. But I mean, who's the next best offense they've played? Penn State. Like yeah, Penn State's number six, by the way. So I mean that's that's a solid stat as far as that goes, but I uh, Tennessee I, or TCU is eighty fifth in passing offense, sixty fourth in rushing defense. Who's that? TCU is eighty fifth in passing defense in the country, sixty fourth in pa- in rushing. I think defense. they've just faced a. I think there's been a lot. It's just this is why the expanded playoff is going to be good because. Mm-hmm. I think we will finally get to a point of just every conference will be represented in the playoff. And and sometimes there's years, I know if, a, if an SEC champion went 10 and three one year, 
we would all be arguing that's just because the gauntlet of the sec you know it's just hard to get out of there unscathed it's that's probably what Utah fans are arguing right now. We went 10-3 and three versus a gauntlet of a schedule where we played the best conference in college football and, and even beat, played Florida down in the SEC. Like So to see these conferences actually face each other, the Big 12's been you know kind of, I don't know, disrespected, if that's the right word this year. But I think people have kind of disrespected TCU. Like, yeah, who have they played? They played Kansas State and... And then Kansas State blasted them the, the second, or not blast them, but Kansas State beat them the second time they played. So how good are they really? I think there's a lot of naysayers, and I'm I'm kind of one of them for the Big Ten this year. Like I I don't really know how good of the product we saw out of the Big Ten this year, and I, it's interesting that this is the year that they get two teams in the playoff. That's fair. I just I don't I don't see it. It is weird that the, the spreads are pretty close. Seven and a half for Michigan right now, and six and a half for. Uh, Georgia. Yeah, that is. Uh, so the team that does blank wins this game. Um, if Michigan with Donovan Edwards um, without Blake Corum, that sucks for Michigan too, to just not have yeah. their Heisman run, uh, candidate running back for the rest of the way here. Um, if J.J. McCarthy, we look up and it's like, if J.J. McCarthy's at like, 18 of 24 in the fourth quarter two tds no picks it's like oh michigan's won this game like 31 7 that's what i i see here so if jj mccarthy's stat line <laughs> looks very clean the completion percentage is high he hasn't had to throw a lot and they've been able to establish the run even without quorum it's like oh they, they win this game like if tcu is not in a position they never put the game in jj mccarthy's hands to win they don't have a shot like they have to put it in JJ McCarthy's hands to win. Cuz Max Duggan is a better quarterback at this point. Like that's what you want. You want it to be a JJ versus Max situation. That's what who wants? TCU. TCU okay, wants yeah. it to be that. Like they want it to be like we're going blow for blow. We're going to ride with our guy over your quarterback. We're not letting you beat us on the ground. You're going to have to beat us through the air like we are. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a great point because Michigan's got the third-ranked uh, rushing defense in the country. Yeah, I don't country. think Kendry Miller's going to run on them. If Kendry Miller has success on the ground and it's not Max Duggan having to put the team on his back like he did in the in the Big 12 championship game and, and mm -hmm. almost won it for him, like if, if, if he actually doesn't have to be TCU's whole offense – yeah. I think that's the I think that's the way that TCU can can get the victory in this one, but it'll be tough. The the Joe Moore award winning offensive line for Michigan and uh, JJ McCarthy seems to be coming along right at the right time, but we will obviously get to that one later in the week, sir. Uh, where do you want to go next? Uh, the pick'em. Let's do our pick'em as we wrap up uh, here, Matt Green. How do we do over the weekend, and then what do we got in the pod before our next pod? All right. Since we last spoke. There were nine games uh, in the bowl season. I went six and three overall, six and three against the spread. You went six and three overall. However, you went four and five against the spread. So I went in the people money, you know, per use. I'm not yeah, really losing much... money. <laughs> they just missed out on a coffee lying there. In it. There you go. Mm -hmm. But uh, we obviously had a bunch of the same picks. Uh, the only two that were different we had uh, with the smu byu game and uh north texas boise state and uh the mean green 
I told you, playing that home atmosphere in Frisco, they uh, they almost pulled it out. They were leading going into the fourth quarter, but uh, Boise State was too much. They did cover, so uh, I won in that respect, but, uh, but Boise State got the victory. You but, should never um, have doubted the Broncos, the Bulldogs. Like, that's just – that's group of five U, man. Like, they're steady, and then there's Fresno, uh, Boise State steady. Like, they've just been minding their own business for, for many, many years. Just what is – what is the Mountain West led? What do the Mountain West legend? Le, wow, Mountain West legends do. They win football games, Matt Green. They win double-digit games. That's what Boise and Fresno State are about. Yeah, with all this crazy realignment, that's those are two teams. I wonder, like, where do they end up? Fresno State and Boise State. Like, those are two like really good football programs. I think Boise ends up in the Pac-12. I don't think they have a choice. I don't think the Pac-12 has a choice because you look around and you're like, San Diego State's a lock. But San like, Diego State too. Yeah. But I mean, who else is really Colorado State jumping out there? You're like, we gotta, we gotta add in this group. I don't know. I, you just look around, like Matt Green. I don't know. Like, I mean, geography doesn't matter anymore. So they could go, they could go get Nebraska. I'm not encouraging that behavior. I'm not. I, I'm anti that behavior. Tulsa. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I, I refuse. UConn, Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati could could join the Pac-12 here in a few. Hold years. on, they just joined the Big 12. Let them do no, a year in the Big 12 first, Matt just, Green. We're just flapping our gums here, but um, that's keeping it moving to the bowl games mm-hmm. on the 19th. We got the Myrtle Beach Bowl, yes. Conway, South Carolina. The Green Bowl. The Green Bowl? Why yeah, because it'll be on a green field. Oh, the, yeah. Most most teams play on a green field, though, don't they? Well, I'm saying like this kind of green. Like It's like... <laughs> I don't even no, know. I think I made that Aqua? joke last podcast. Oh wow! But uh, <laughs> um, in this one, Marshall and UConn, thundering herd, mm. eleven point favorite in this one. So I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at these two teams, right? Marshall, it's won four straight. Mm-hmm. However, UConn on the season, nine and three against the spread. Hmm. Give me Marshall to win, but UConn to cover the 11-point spread. We need to just talk about Jim Mora. Didn't deserve National Coach of the Year, but I'm not sure he did it. Six and six. This UConn program has been horrific, Matt Green. This has been horrific. And Jim Mora comes in and gets them to bowl eligibility. We've all been like just all over Lance Leipold at Kansas from what he's done there. Don't get me wrong. Great. Still in the Big 12. Still have some resources. Like, UConn, man, was, like, bottom. And we were like, I don't think UConn's ever. Like, Randy Etzel came back, and he's like, remember this guy? He did the Greg Schiano thing. Like, I coached here before. I can get us back to, like, 7-5. and five. Like, Donald Brown. Remember him? Like, they're just showing recruits. Like, remember Donald Brown? Remember Dan Orlovsky? Like, come to UConn. And you're like, oh, this is just not. This is a really, really sad state of the program where you're like, I don't know how they ever get out of this and how they ever fix this. Maybe they should go back to FCS. Like they'll have more success going toe to toe with the, the South Dakota states of the world, um, like UMass. But he's done a great job, and UConn's done great. But like you said, Marshall's clicking uh, down the stretch here. I uh, like what they've been doing all year long. I, I just, I'm a, I'm a Marshall guy. And I think uh, they're going to win this one, and they're going to win it big, Matt Green. So give me Marshall to win and cover. So unfortunately, UConn falls to six and seven, but um, now I uh, I like this Marshall group, and I uh, I think they're moving in the right direction. 
All right, Marshall, put it on the board. Next, we got the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. This one will be on a blue field. And mm. Eastern Michigan and San Jose State are playing in this one. San Jose State is a four-point favorite in this one. They have won... Oh, sorry. They've lost six straight against the spread. But uh, four and seven on the season against the spread. So for that reason, mm-hmm. I'm picking San Jose State to win. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to take Eastern Michigan to actually cover in this one. Kind of a down year for San Jose State 7-4. There was some early buzz that, like, they were going to be a really good team in the Mountain West. And they had the Hawaii quarterback um, with Chavon uh, Cordero, uh, who transferred in. Um, they almost beat Auburn. Do you remember that earlier this year where San Jose State, like, really had Auburn on the ropes? Do you remember that? I had forgotten that, but yeah. They almost beat Auburn, which would have been one of the more preposterous ones. And it's like, that, how did that end? Was that where they had like a block punt or did they like have to go for two or something? Something like that, because it was weird. I remember that game ended weird. Um, but this is also, you know, this reminds me of Ohio, where you were like, Ohio's winning the Mac. And I'm like, Toledo's winning the Mac. What are we doing, Mac Green? Ohio's never <laughs> won the Mac. Like, what, what, what are you doing? You're not a Bobcat guy. Stick with the Rockets, stick with old trusty. That's what I'm doing here. Just the seventh bowl game in Eastern Michigan history. They've won one bowl game the entirety of this football program's history. Matt Green, I'm going all reliable. I'm going with the team that almost beat the the Tigers in Jordan Hare. Give me the Spartans here to win and cover Matt Green. All right. So it wasn't quite as close as I was necessarily thinking. It was uh, like not like the Georgia State game a few years back, but um, it was 24-16. So it was definitely a one-score one game. game. Uh, but it wasn't like a final second thing like I was thinking. But um, They were up on them at the half, 10-7. Yeah, it was still it was still a – they gave them a scare. That There's no doubt about that. Mm. Um, but keeping it moving – to the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Who could forget? We got the Toledo Rockets, your Toledo Rockets. <laughs> uh, Five-point favorite against the Liberty Flames. And Liberty's lost three straight. And uh, got no Hugh Freeze in this one. But mm-hmm. got a stat for you, sir. Yeah. The MAC champion is 1-9 in nine in their last 10 bowl games. Huh. Does that apply to the Toledo Rockets? Does the 2014 Northern Illinois Huskies have any bearing on the 2022 Toledo Rockets? The answer is no, but it is a fun fact. So give me the Toledo Rockets to win and cover. Oh, you ha- you're going against the grain here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't. Who's, who's coaching Liberty right now? Like, Josh Aldridge. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, Jimmy Chadwell will be there helping Liberties, out. Liberty's—they're trending in the wrong direction. A new interim coach, like they're Toledo. I, I like—I like what I, I saw from Toledo in the MAC championship, and I think they're going to be more ready to play. Macarine, I would like you to count how many bowl games the Liberty Flames have lost in their university's history. I, I hope you have it. I hope you have the stat. It's zero, Matt Green. Mm. They have uh, never 
lost a bowl game to this point. Look, many are saying Josh Aldridge was the brains behind uh, what the Liberty Flames have been cooking for the last few years. Many are saying. Are they great. saying that? Yeah, many are many are saying. Um, they are ending poorly, which is like perfect for me because it's like they lose uh, their last th- three games. They got destroyed by New Mexico State 49-14 late by Jerry Kill's team. So that's not a great great way to end your time but it's also like it was weird clearly he freeze getting ready uh, to move on and there was it's tough because the college football calendar sucks and that's like on the on the radar of like is he going is he getting really like who knows um but no i think uh, liberty is still the the sleeping giant uh in the group of five and jamie chabell going up there a lot of money a lot of resources i think they're gonna continue to be they're gonna be in the college football playoff before uh, not too long when it goes to 12. I think they're going to be they're gonna be in good shape there. So let me say that the talent wins out and Toledo keeps losing and never bet on Jason Candle in a, in a ball game. Can't do it, Matt Green. So give me Liberty to win and cover. All right. Put the Liberty Flames on the board. The R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl. We got Western Kentucky and South Alabama. How do you see this one going, sir? I think this is the best one of the pods, Matt Green. Do you know what this is? What's that? This is offense meets defense, Matt Green. This is Kane Womack and the uh, former D.C. at Indiana back when Indiana was a good football program under Tom Allen. He's coaching the South Alabama, what, Jaguars really well. And you look at it over there, Western Kentucky. They've still got the offense cooking. They get their quarterback out of the portal. Don't know what happened there, but he was in the portal a little bit. Out of the portal. This offense is still cooking, Matt Green. Eight and five, a little bit rough. South Alabama, quietly a great, great team. Uh, They almost beat UCLA uh, this season. And just another one where they played Troy close. This, This team's good. But Austin Reed is that dude. And what I am not going to do is bet against Austin Reed in this Western Kentucky offense. Give me the Hilltoppers, man. Give me the Hilltoppers to win and cover, Matt Grant. Can't do it. Not so fast, my friend. Mm. Um, the South Alabama Jaguars have won eight of their last nine. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm a big geography guy. They're also 5-1 and one at home this year. Mm-hmm. The New Orleans Bowl happens to be about a, a solid two-hour drive down Interstate 10 from mm-hmm. uh, from Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the home field advantage in this one. The Jaguars, oh, so you're down the Western Kentucky fan base traveling well for this one. Oh, no. They got a, they got a trek to make from, from up there in... Where are they like Bowling Green, Kentucky, or something? The disrespect. You don't even where, know where the hilltoppers. What city is Western are. Kentucky in? Can you can we look that up? Can well, we hold on. I don't know. For me? I'm doing a bit, but Matt Green. I know that they that South Alabama is way mm-hmm. closer. I know you get confused on geography sometimes, wow. but <laughs> mm-hmm. you got a confused at the Bahamas and Hawaii Bowl last week. Hold on, but that was the okay. That was but fair. South Alabama's got Hawaii a much shorter head. trip, so for that reason. They got the home field advantage. Give me South Alabama to win this one. Western Kentucky USA. still 12. Are you against the USA, sir? Is that is that what mm-hmm. this comes down to? I just, the Alabama, they're 36th in uh, offense uh, yards per play. Number 12, Western Kentucky. I just, I trust this offense, man. Give me the, 
Give me the Hilltoppers. I like it. Number nine in the country in 10 plus yard plays. Well, it's gonna be, be fun, good. man. So I'm excited for this. That's the one. whole slate. We only got four for this uh, this upcoming, and then we'll we'll have a few more games to pick uh, on the Wednesday pod. I'm here for it. Well, Matt Green, that's all I've got, sir. Um, on this edition, we'll have uh, what's the biggest one on the next show that we've got. Well, I don't think I've ever missed a Radiance Technologies <laughs> Independence Bowl. You know, Shreveport, mm-hmm. Louisiana. That's about as good as it gets. It used to be, um, I don't know, maybe a punishment for a bad SEC season going to the mm. going to Shreveport. But that one we got Louisiana and Houston in. But uh, Baylor Air Force could be fun. That could be feisty. I think Baylor Air Force is probably the best one on the slate. Uh, also, Wake Forest, Missouri. That could be fun. That those that's those are the two. The only only power five versus power five matchup we got uh, in these next few days. The Gasparillo uh, Bowl, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparillo. What are we doing with these names? What are we doing? What are no, we doing? Just just trying to make just trying to make some money, man. That's that's what it all is. Absolutely. Well, Matt Green, um, this was fun as always, sir. Um, thank you uh, for taking the time, and we will uh, reconvene on the Wednesday show. More pick 'em. We'll have some more fun topics to uh, touch on as we uh, just we're we're ready. We're ready for the college football playoff. That will be here before you know it. Um, that big time preview show will come out next week um, as we get ready for that, and then we'll be able to do our instant reactions the following um, evening. So that will be fun. But still, we still got. About three to four weeks of solid, or I guess two to three weeks of solid college football to enjoy before the season departs once again. And then we'll have also early signing day, which is basically just signing day that we can react to uh, very soon as well. So um, there yeah, you go. A little, uh, little early Christmas present here on what the, on the 21st on Wednesday we got signing day. Yeah, so. we'll have that to react to immediately. Yeah, on, that should be a, that should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, 13 days left in the uh, t- in the in the year 2022. 12 days till we figure out who's playing in the national championship. So, I'm uh, I'm jacked about it, as Dan Quinn would as Dan Quinn would say. He's jacked about it. Matt Green, always a pleasure. I will talk to you on Wednesday. Yes, sir. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.